Folks at home, folks at home. Ike Live. Welcome back to <laughs> Welcome back to Ike Live. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Dude, great show, Pete. Tell me about it. Oh, man. Two of the greatest anglers. The, arguably one, the greatest angler of all time. And one that's going to be in that conversation by the time he's done. Dude, we had, and, and this is pretty mind-blowing when you think about this. We've had two anglers on tonight that literally are in the history books. And, and you know, th- they are two of the guys that 10 years, 20, 30 years from now, people are going to look back and say, dude, they were the greatest anglers in the world. And we had them on the same freaking night <laughs> on Ike Live. Man, it's been a great show. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in there with us. We took a small break. Uh, we're going to dive into something now that is in the early days of Ike Live. We called it our hot topic. And um, we always like to talk about controversial issues that are trending. And there's a big one right mm-hmm. now, Pete. There's a big one. Uh, and, and and everybody should pay attention to this because it it's it relates to Maryland, right? This is a Maryland DNR talking. Yes. But but these regulations are coming to your town, right? And and everybody needs to pay it. I don't care which oh, yeah. state you're in. This is a very very important piece of legislation or piece of stuff that's going on right a- now. Absolutely. If if you obviously if you live in the in the tri-state area, if you're a guy that fishes like we are, the mm-hmm. Potomac and the Chesapeake a lot. This is something to look at. But like you said, dude, it's spreading. This is trending all across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're going to be talking tonight to both sides, which is interesting, on this issue. And it really stems from a new regulation that, depending on who you talk to, and we're going to talk to both sides about this. We're going to take a non-biased opinion, like we always do on this show. Uh, but depending on who you talk to... This was kind of railroaded through, uh, politically railroaded through, without a lot of input from a lot of people. But we're going to be talking about these a uh, new regulation on the Potomac River and Upper Chesapeake Bay. Uh, and this talks about a uh, time period between June 16th and October 31st where you can only possess one bass over 15 inches. Uh, so really changes... The limit rules, as we've known them, are on the Maryland tidal waters, right? This is this is a, a, a change from what's been the norm. Oh well, it's clearly a change. It's a slot limit, and it's going to impact tournaments and uh, in, in tournament fishermen in, yeah. in a very serious way. It's been morphed since its original proposal, which was some closed sections. But I, I'm anxious to have the man that's in charge of of, of the law of of writing this, creating this, helping us understand it. Um, on with us tonight, because I know we all have a bunch of questions for him. Gotcha, cool. And I think we've got him on the phone now, and joining us uh, via phone is the uh, Maryland uh, DNR, uh, Joe Love, is joining us on the phone. Hi, Joe. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us on Ike Live. We've, uh, man, we've, in the last couple weeks, you know, our our message board, our emails, our phone <laughs> calls have lit up. And I'm sure as as yours has on your side. Um, but, we, you, you know, thanks for joining us, first of all. Thanks for taking time out a little bit on our cr- crazy show here. But we would uh, like to start by uh, – c- can you give us a, a 
definitive explanation of what this controversy is all about. What what are people up in arms about? What 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 is this? What what's going on? What is this new regulation that that is being passed? Right. Yeah. So first of all, it's a pleasure to be on tonight. I'm I'm glad that uh, you guys uh, were able to uh, get me. I'm glad I was able to to get on. We've had a lot of conversations over the past two weeks, and a lot of the controversy has been more of a discussion um, among the anglers and the department. And uh, you know, to be clear, you know, this is a departmental action. I am the the title bass program manager, so I'm in charge of you know running stats and the survey um making recommendations but this was a uh, an action that the department took so there were a lot of um, a lot of uh, cogs in the in the machine here that were at play so the um the concern was over the past four years we've had a problem with the potomac river fishery um, you know, anglers were talking about it, and then our surveys were starting to show it. And uh, we have a management plan in place that mandated we take actions. And, you know, we are. We, we've taken quite a few, uh, including stocking, which is something a lot of state governments do. Um, this is a possession limit change. And so it actually got a lot more feedback. Um, you know, when you tell a bunch of anglers you're tossing bass, young bass into the water, they applaud it, they think it's great. But when you tell folks that they're restricting possession, no matter whether it's managing striped bass, bluefish, or largemouth bass, um, they're going to raise their eyebrows. And that's what yeah. did. We've had a uh, We've had about a little over 25 years on tidal water. Uh, in Maryland without any um, regulation changes, and that's a long time. So I think this kind of took some people um, off off kilter. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversations uh, within the department and with anglers, at least since, since I took this job in 2009, over actions that the department should take. And fishery was wonderful in 2009, 2010, but anglers were still concerned on a number of levels uh, regarding possession. You know, people were arguing that we should shut down the spring like some states have done. Um, you yeah. may be familiar with Pennsylvania. They have a closed season on the Susquehanna, and they, yeah. they, uh, they did that uh, largely because of poor reproduction. Um, you know, we've had plenty of other people who have made suggestions on limiting the number of tournaments, limiting the number of anglers who fish tournament and i get that there's a lot of hostility back and forth um you know within the angling or stakeholders because you know some people have got um they've seen some things happen with tournaments you know i've gotten a lot of people who've you know had some hot you know they've, they've had some bad experiences we try and weed through a lot of that and focus on the fishery we try and focus on the resource and the reality is we have a problem with the resource. Other states have recognized a problem with the resource. Anglers have recognized the problem with the resource. And it would be ir irresponsible for Maryland um, not to take some, some actions in this case. And so they had, uh, the department had decided, in addition to some of the actions um, regarding stocking and invasive species management and some habitat 
things that we're doing, some pollution issues that we're, we're dealing with, that they had also wanted to tackle it with possession limits, which is something the fisheries service does um, yeah. and has done, and we have the authority to do. So unlike, you know, dealing with pollution, which is, of course, a, a problem on some areas in the Potomac and elsewhere in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, the fisheries service has the authority to address possession. They, they don't have the authority to address, you know, permits or um, a lot of times these watershed modifications that lead to problems with the, the rivers. Right. So this is one action that the department decided to, to take, um, and the department thought it would be the least restrictive of those that were being considered. Um, such as limiting permits that we issue for tournaments or somehow shifting tournament activities um, away from popular areas. So um, I don't think that anyone in the department really thought that they would get that much of a backlash, but they were wrong. And, um, <laughs> you know, we got, a, we got a pretty good backlash of um, interest over the past two weeks. And uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, I took a lot of those calls and those concerns and I synthesized them and brought them up to senior management. And there was a lot of uh, discussion on how to, how to handle them. And uh, just last night, um, the department issued their response to those concerns as well as uh, modification for the... Uh, the initial memo that that went out a couple of weeks ago. Joe, can you can you spell out what those modifications are? Sure. Um, there are uh, two options that directors, uh, if if they have ten or more boats in Maryland, in in Maryland, they're they're expected to get a permit if they have a staged weigh-in area. So this really doesn't apply to things like paper tournaments um, or very small clubs. And if they have 10 or more boats and they get a permit, then um, directors have, and they're fishing the Potomac and areas in the Upper Bay or staging anywhere in the Potomac or in the Upper Bay, um, then they have two options. Uh, the first option is that, that slot where we're requesting people reduce the number of big fish that come to a uh, weigh-in area and are released uh, there at the weigh-in. Um, if they don't want to do that, and we heard a lot of people who don't want to do that, the second option is for the directors to follow a suite of best management practices. And, um, you know, we have a lot of very good tournaments, uh, a lot of good organizers who do a lot of, of these best management practices anyway. But, um, you know, we have hundreds of tournaments every year and different directors from year to year so there's a standard way that tournaments are put together so this second option uses those best management practices from um, florida we pulled some from california as well put them all into um, a single document and um, if the tournament director can um, follow those um, recommendations as best management practices, then they don't have to comply with the slot limit. And um, that's mainly because these best management practices are in place to help improve survival of um, those 
you know, bigger fish. So, and, and penalize anglers for bringing in dead fish. So it's meant to do essentially the same thing that the slot limit, um, you know, the, the slot limit's going to do or hopefully going to do. But uh, instead it puts the onus on the responsibility or it puts the responsibility on the director and angler's shoulders to just ensure better fish care. I, I think that's, that's kind of cool. I, I mean... You know, I like some of the things that are done, like the permitting, understanding how many tournaments are taking place, uh, you know, the, what you're talking about here where they don't have to adhere to the slot limit if they have a release boat or follow these best practices, which I, I got to look at them, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I mean, I've seen some bad stuff yeah. on some buddy tournaments. You know, I've seen it in 95-degree temperatures where guys are walking bags of – four pounders across a parking lot for 300 yards and um and then we see you know we see that impact on monday and tuesday morning where we do see we yeah, see, and, see some dead fish they, they walk i mean i've seen them they walk in dry bags too some of them don't put them in water mm-hmm. um you know and i see them you know in some of our areas filling bags with bilge water and I get that it's just me, and maybe it's just you, but, you know, there's a lot of people who are paying attention to tournaments out there, and they're trying to figure out if the sport's really for them or not, um, and they are trying, and they really care about those bass as much as tournament anglers do. Mm-hmm. And then they see them treated that way, and, of course, that kind of fuels a lot of the fire. So we did get fire from tournament anglers, but we also got some comments from the other side and um, a lot of push to try and do something to limit possession. So there was some, you know, positive positive support for the slot limit, but I think it, there would also be positive support for this second option, which hasn't really been vetted through the public as it was just released last night. You know, I haven't heard too much in the way of comments about it, but I imagine, um, you know, anglers would get behind some better fish care strategies um, if they were going to be employed during these you know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think I you're right. I think we would get behind them. You know, one, but I think one of the problems, too, is as tournament anglers, sometimes we feel like we're targeted, you know, for being bad, you know, bad actors in this. And overall, I don't think we are. I think we're great. Uh, you know, we fund the fishing license programs. We, we're all about the fisheries. We want to do everything we can. But... You know, it seems like this, it seems like the fish problem out there is more of an environmental problem, like a pollution problem yeah, well that, that, or a stormwater that, problem. That's a great question. That's a great question. And and this is very much it, I think an issue between tournament anglers versus non tournament anglers. But the deeper issue is what you just said. And I I'd love to hear from you, Joe, on this. Is you know, Pete and I love the Potomac and we fished yeah. it for Years and years and years, and I consider it a home fishery of mine. And we've seen the decline. We 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 know the declines there. We, you know, we, we it's obvious, right? But is there is Joe? Is there scientific evidence backing the fact that the decline is because of bad tournament practices, or is it because of natural uh, causes? Is it because of pollution? Because I can tell you, and again, I'm not a scientist. But I can tell you, in in my lifetime of fishing, I've seen the Delaware River go through cycles, and those yeah. cycles had nothing to do with tournaments yeah, we don't have because any. there are no tournaments on the freaking yeah. Delaware River. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, is there scientific evidence 
backing the fact that the tournament guys are bad guys? Look, no, I don't. I don't think anyone's saying tournament guys are the bad guys, or at least, you know, I I'm not saying that. Um, certainly recognizing value of the sport. Let's face it. Um, you know, we have a conservation ethic. We have catch and release because of you know competitive sport fishing tournaments. You know, it kind of paved the way on that. And on the Potomac, you know, we do have some pollution issues. Um, they've been around for a long time. In the 80s and 70s, you know, the water was a lot worse than it is now. It's actually cleaned up in areas. Um, better sewage treatment, um, better land use practices. So in some areas, pollution's not as bad, and definitely in some areas, it's not so wonderful. Um, so we've had problems across you know decades in the on the potomac how they've actually affected bass is you know a, a very probably impossible question to try and understand i mean we there's some research out there right now about the influence of some of these estrogenic compounds on causing intersex in bass and you know whether that's actually manifest itself at the population level or not. It doesn't look like it is. And then there's some work on LMBV, which we know is in the Potomac River, and it's been, we've known that since 2007, I think, um, but there's not been a reported fish kill linked to LMBV in the river. So we, and that's not a pollution issue, but it's just an environmental factor. So we know that there are some things going on in the river um, and, you know, we have commercial watermen who fish, and we know that um, they're catching largemouth bass as well. So there are some other things going on in the system besides pollution. What we also know, though, is that we have, um, at least the fishery service, have has uh, looked into this issue. I've looked into this issue, and there's been... For whatever reason, um, in the late 2000s, there was a higher level of annual mortality for the population. Now, that annual mortality, um, number of fish die each year, um, could be linked to higher natural mortality, though um, we don't have evidence to support that. What we know is that a lot of anglers were catching fish. Um, we know that it was, the fishery was very hot. We know it was very good. We know that in 2009, we had a loss of anywhere between 600, some speculate up to 1,000, but I know personally counted 600 adult bass. Um, so we, as, what we know is that there was a higher level of annual mortality. Some of that could have been linked angling. But let me say this. We've had a lot of anglers fish the Potomac. In the 90s, we had more tournament anglers fishing the Potomac um, than I think we did in the late 2000s. So we've had a lot of that kind of activity out there. Unfortunately, what, what made the situation worse is that in 2011, we had a loss of habitat. We had a loss of grass, and that was because of tropical storms. So they blew in and we lost about 50% of the grasses that were in our tidal freshwater area in both the Potomac River and the Upper Bay. So that was just a natural phenomenon. What that did, is, it, as, you, as you guys know, it cut back on reproduction. And so we saw this 
downward trend on reproduction um, in our in our surveys likely linked to the loss of, of grass. Now, on the Potomac, some may also point to increases in the relative abundances of snakehead and blue catfish, and I get that. That's a possibility. But that loss of grass really, really had a, had a big impact. But it's coming back, and I think that's good. And what we're starting to see, what we and other agencies are starting to see, Give is an increase <laughs> of reproduction, a little improvement in recruitment. And I think that is going to be great for the fishery down the road. Well, Joe, um, that, 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 all, that all sounds like a cyclic change in the fishery. Right, a natural, a natural cyclic change. Now you say 600 fish died in 2011. Was it? Is that what you said? 2009. 2009. Uh, you know, and, and what about what happened in Middle River? What about the massive fish kill in River, Middle River? And, and what really gets the uh, anglers upset here? And and I don't think that there's anybody against regulations to make the fishery better. And, you know, the tournament anglers were not against that. What we feel like is we've been singled out. And and in my opinion, you know, you're attacking the weakest target. Who's the easiest one to go after without without a monetary support behind them, without legal support behind them? And that's the tournament anglers. You know, you're not attacking uh, uh, pollution industry, agricultural pollution. You're not going after snakeheads. Snakeheads are a big factor on the Potomac River, huge factor. And I, I would imagine on the Potomac River. It just feels like the, the the weakest target is being is is being attacked right now, and and um. Well, I disagree. I mean, we're we're going after snakeheads. We're the only um, state really with a commercial market for them. We've invested a lot of time and money into ramping up the seafood marketing strategy to try and bring down the biomass. We've also studied them uh, in a way so that we can better control them. We also work on the front of pollution. You know, Maryland just joined an injunction to fight the coal ash, uh, coal ash leak into the Potomac River from Dominion. So it's not as if the state's not acting on these other fronts to try and deal with this. And certainly, uh, you know, you, you guys know this, tournament organizers, it's not as if they're, they're poor either. I mean, these guys bring a lot of money to the table, and state recognizes that they're very important to the fishery. But I think on a more fundamental level, we need to um, respect everyone's opportunity to go fishing. So that's, you know, it's not as if anyone's pointing the finger at the low-hanging fruit here. The fact is, in Maryland, I mean, maybe it's different elsewhere, in Maryland's tidal waters, 95, 97% of the fish are caught and released. So the people who are possessing the fish are just are, are the tournament anglers. Those are the guys who are possessing the fish. So any, um, any change to possession is largely going to affect. Sucks. I get it. It sucks because that's that's mainly the group who it's going to affect. But you know, I don't want anyone to get the impression that. That's the only action that you know that Maryland's being taken. That Maryland's taking. I mean, they've got. Well, that, well, that is the only action that Maryland took. No, no, we, no, that's not the only action. We decided we've got a stocking policy now. So this year and last year, last year we stocked bass in the Mattawoman, which is the largest trip of the Potomac. This year we're going to be stocking bass into the Potomac as well. 
We also, since 2000, you know, since 2009, we've been, or rather since 1999, we've had this standardized survey where we go out and um, survey the system in the fall, collect these data. We've integrated into a management plan. And so there are a number of actions that come out of that plan. One of them is stocking. But we're also engaged in a habitat enhancement project up at the National Harbor um, where the Woodrow-Wilson Bridge is. We're hoping to put in some reef falls, the first of its kind in tidewater, at least in Maryland, to try and promote um, reproduction in an area that's lost a lot of SAV. But we've also engaged on education as well, because I think you guys might agree that education in some cases, or if not all, is more important than regulation, right? I think this is key, Joe. You mentioned habitat. I'd like one of the biggest problems we have is the habitat reduction, as you mentioned. Um, I and you said you're going to do some uh, like man-made habitat stuff. I'm curious. This has always been something that has been curious about. When the when the milfoil disappears and the grasses disappear, uh, is is there a way to get that back? Is there any actions taken to replant and regrow this in areas where it's not growing now? No, you know, it's very, um, there, there have been, you know, it's planting, planting underwater grasses is not really my, my, uh, my bailiwick. It's not really where my training is. But my understanding from the folks who have done it, like Baltimore Aquarium, you know, I think CBS, or Chesapeake Bay Foundation has also done some plantings, is that they're not overwhelmingly successful. You know, we've had, we have some rivers uh, within the, the water that have just changed. In, in such a way that the grass is gone and it's just never come back. A lot of that's just water quality issues and land use issues. In the Potomac, when water started clearing up, I think it was back in the, I think it was back in the 80s. Part of it was linked to Blue Plains and wastewater treatment upgrades of the, that large plant that processes new sewage basically for the district and other areas. When that changed and the water started clearing up, grasses started coming back. And so we started to see more hydrilla. Um, mm-hmm. We've also started to see, and we started seeing milfoil. Um, you know, there's a there's a cyclical pattern sometimes with grasses. You know, they get they can get hit by tropical storms, and we'll see them deteriorate a little bit. And there's been this slow recovery, and so it kind of ebbs and flows with that. And you know, and I think. What we dealt with in 2011 was just kind of the ebb there. We just lost some grass, and it's, we recognize it'll come back. But one of the one of the interesting things that we've been talking about, but haven't looked at intensively, has been whether the you know we don't we have like three we have several species of grasses submerged grasses in our tidal freshwater areas. Joe, um, Joe, what what? Well, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. What what influences are you reacting to? What pressures are are causing you to react with these new regulations? Because uh, you know uh, habitat dying off due to weather, like you said, that that's a cyclical reaction. You know, if you look if you look back 20 years at the at the winning weights on the flats, it took seven to nine pounds to win on the flats. Now they catch seven to nine pounders on the flats. The upper Chesapeake. Yeah, 95 percent of the bass live. He said. And so it's a cyclical pattern. You know, the the, the fishery has gone up tremendously. You know, I'm not as familiar with the uh, with the 
Potomac. I could speak on the Delaware River where it was seven, six, seven, eight pound bags. Now you're getting 12 to 15 pound bags. So fishing is a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the big thing. Uh, you know what? As you're talking, Joe, we're we're watching our IM and we're watching our uh, messages on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter feeds. And the big things that keep coming through are the Potomac and the Upper Bay are completely different fisheries. And, yeah. and, and and they are to this day. They always were. And, you know, I think a lot of people are miffed by why this covers both fisheries. You know, the Potomac is obviously in a decline. The Chesapeake mm-hmm. Bay is in an incline. And and this same regulation covers both fisheries, which are completely different. Um, You're right. And we had a lot of conversation about that uh, internally. When um, so we have we have a lot of biologists on staff, and when um, we were discussing the um, Potomac River, the question of whether to apply to the Upper Bay or not was raised, and the department thought. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're two different fisheries. Um, they're grasses that dominate both areas, but even those dynamics are influenced by slightly different processes. So you're absolutely right. Two different fisheries. The idea was if, if by applying this to the upper bay, it would avoid tournaments shifting from the Potomac to the upper bay just to avoid slot limits. If you fish the upper bay, you might know that the number of tournaments in the upper bay has just gone up tremendously over the past five to ten years. Five to ten years. Yeah, yeah. And part of that's infrastructure. Part of that's for other reasons. Part of that's because the, the fishery is really great, as you said. You know, seven pounders. People want to catch that, so they go there. So we get. We're getting more people up that way. We, I think the department wanted to avoid more people hitting the upper bay. Gotcha. You know, we've, we've gotten complaints from delegates in the General Assembly about traffic issues and parking issues. Um, we've gotten complaints about... Do, do, do uh, the delegates complain about the money that's brought in? <laughs> well, that's a whole part of this conversation. <laughs> hey, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> that's a whole hey, other issue. Dave, hey, what do you got? Joe, Dave. this is Dave. We haven't spoke yet. Thanks for coming on. It's very rare to actually get uh, someone in yeah, the machine awesome. to actually yes, call you, in and yeah, explain themselves. Thank you. Themselves. This is thank amazing. You. Yeah. And if I can just ask a favor, can you at least rescind? The restraining order you put on Brian, a producer, for harassing you the last two days, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Joe. Hey, Joe, do any of these restrictions apply to the meat eaters, the bucket brigades on the shorelines? Do, do they have a slot limit also? Yeah, so no. So right now, right now, uh, for, so the department decided to take an action in 2016. Uh, and the, the infrastructure we have developed for that is really through this permitting process, and that's kind of what got people really fired up initially and complaining is because it just all of a sudden happened. Usually with regulation, we have a year-long process with a lot of public feedback, but this was not that. This was just a, a, a modification to what or how tournaments are conducted. And, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just that, and it pissed people off. So right. two things... Two things arose from that. First, 
there was that fairness issue you bring up because they're man eaters. Man eaters. Man eaters. There may be some man eaters out there. Um, there. There are meat eaters out there, even though maybe only five percent of the folks catching bass are still eating them. So um, the department is considering uh, a statewide regulation uh, for 2017, which would affect the uh, the folks who are harvesting bass as well as the folks who were just possessing them during tournaments. Now, you know, sometimes those regulations stay on the book for a while, and the thought was that this modification to a permit, the attractiveness behind it, was that it could be applied for a temporary period for, like, say, this year and perhaps part of ne- and perhaps next year, and, and give the fishery some time to come back without putting on a regulation that is, you know, once it gets on the books, it takes another year-long process to get it off the books. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, the fairness issue came up and people complained about it, so now the department's thinking of a um, less of a temporary and perhaps more of a permanent, but we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, who... Who knows? I don't know. Well, Well, before any decisions are made, we'd appreciate it if you'd call the Ike Live show for our opinion. (laughs) 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 Well, Joe, that 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 is a good point. Um, You know. Hang in there a second. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, w- I will say this while everybody collects themselves. The, uh, the Hudson River put on a sl- uh, 15-inch limit, and it devastated the fishing communities up there. Uh, and, yeah. and they didn't take the anglers into account. It would have been really cool if they would have developed the best practices uh, release strategy like I think you're proposing and that I read you know briefly read this morning where where you can still have the events but you're influencing people to catch care and release properly I don't think anybody can no, dispute that, that no that that's a great strategy and I, I'm all for that I think you know Joe you hit it on the head I think the big thing and why we've seen an uproar here uh, from our side is um the, the quickness, how this happened, and and the lack of input yeah. that the community had on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Brian and Becky both brought up, uh, you know, earlier, you know, um, the, the economic side to it, which is, a, which is a big one. You know, this very much seems like, t- to the layman that watches this show and is looking at this, it very much seems like a political action, you know? And, and so... Mm-hmm. You know, well, when you look at the dollar amount that events bring to the Potomac River and, you know, Waldorf and, and you know, the Smallwood State Park, um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what it is, but it's got to be in the millions and millions of dollars that those events bring. And for, 
you know, f- for that to not have a piece of, of the decision, you know, to not factor into this. Yeah, but, yeah, but it, big industry has millions and millions of dollars in politicians' pockets. So. Billions That's true. of dollars. I mean, we yeah, could always, right. you know. But the true. owner of the Cat Motel in the Potomac I, I don't have a politician. No, no, but I, but I think there's a lot of people. I'm getting a lot of IM questions here. Uh, people are very confused. One, yes, what Mike said. I mean, there's a lot of money that these tournaments bring to the area. And, and we're looking at states who need money. We're looking at communities that need money. So this is, is you know, it's mind-boggling to some of these people. The other question is, you even said earlier about the, the fish care and 95% of the fish that are alive, the fish care that the anglers take to keep these fish alive for catch and release. And if you know anything about an angler or a tournament angler, they want a fishery to thrive because for them, catching bigger and bigger and bigger fish is very important. So... Why is it that you're going after the tournament organizations, the tournaments, the anglers, and not, say, these people who are on the bank catching and keeping fish? Why? Well, what, what, is the, what is the choice here? It's just confusing per the IM board based on what you're saying tonight. Okay. Part of it is we don't have a lot of harvesters, especially in tidal rivers. Um, there's not a whole lot of access to the fishery. We don't have a lot. We have we have Smallwood State Park. We have a couple of um, launches, a few piers, but it's not like a reservoir or lake where you can just walk around the bank and fish. So the access to the fishery is is limited by by a lot of these shoreline harvesters. Second, you've seen a lot of those harvesters really hit areas that are release sites, like Smallwood State Park, where tournaments release a lot of fish. And as you know, a lot of those fish kind of stay in the area for a little They become vulnerable to harvest by anglers. So there's, there's, there's that element. And but why wouldn't you go after the harvester there and not the angler who put that fish back in the water alive? Well, in Maryland may in 2017 with a, a statewide reg, but to be fair, there aren't that many harvesters. Uh, well, and now, that, Joe, what, what is the uh, plan for 2017? Well, it's, it's, it's tough to say right now. I think the department is, you know, as always considering actions, and um, they hinted in this document that, that came out, uh, last night that they consider um, to deal with that bias issue that you guys are bringing up. Um, they, they talk about uh, statewide reg or a riverwide reg uh, that would essentially be a slot limit. So instead of just, you know, having a temporary measure that affects um, the bulk of people who are possessing the bass, um, it would affect everyone who would possess bass. Right. And so maybe that's the more fair approach. But for right. 2016, there's no way that the department could enact that because, like I said, a regulatory process takes a year. And when people were seeing... Joe, Joe, uh, let me let me interrupt yeah. you. Now, yeah. I understand that, you know, it's fairly well documented that uh, fishing has been down on the Potomac in the last five years. Why is the Chesapeake falling under this same rule? Because of fishing at the well, Chesapeake. We, we, talked, we, we, already, we already talked we did. about we did. that. We oh, said that. Yeah, right. we did talk he didn't want yeah. the tournaments to shift. And, and the other thing I want to say right, about the Upper Bay, too, is that up in, 
Up near Anchor, we, we've surveyed for two years and found a greater incidence of largemouth bass virus there than in the Potomac. It's like 60% or 70% of the individuals versus 20% on the Potomac. What, call, what causes out of Anchor? What's that? Out of Anchor out of Marine. Anchor. Right. Well, that's because Pete, so, Pete keeps taking dumps on his guide trips right in the river. <laughs> but what causes largemouth bass virus? You tell him that's pollution. That's pollution, Pete. <laughs> well, it's natural. Tournament anglers? No. No, of course not. Okay. No, no, no. no we're not, I'm not worried about what, what causes It's a natural virus that somehow gotten to the watershed. It could have gotten to the watershed back in the 1800s when bass were introduced. But um, the fact that there's a greater prevalence in, at least seemingly, in the upper bay, should provide some caution because, as you guys are probably aware of, during the summer when you're handling these fish, that kind of compounds um, the health of the fish, particularly if it has LMBV or if it's, if, you know. So it's not necessarily, you know, fish might have LMBV, might never express disease as a result of having LMBV. But under additional stress, that fish might um, show more yeah. signs of LMB. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like Magic Johnson. <laughs> well, not only that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so right. Right. So right. We understand. Yeah. We understand that. Like Magic Johnson. Joe. 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 It, I. I got to be. It was great. It was great talking to you. I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah. Uh, the fishing's really going to get cranked up here in about a couple weeks, so you got about two weeks to get these fisheries straightened out for yeah. us. Yeah, and I do have, and, and Joe, before, yeah, before we let you go, I do have two uh, uh, questions that came in through our social media, and I, or comments, and i got to run them both past you real quick. Uh, the sure. one is from Todd Pride, who is a, a guy up here in Philadelphia, and he says, Thank you for screwing everything up in Maryland. Bring more tournaments to Delaware River. So that was from Todd Pride. And then um, Bruce Aikens from Alabama, um, uh, his comment was, is Ken Penrod behind all this? I was wondering how long that would take. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, Look, there... (laughs) <laughs> and Penrod is, is part of management, just as you know. We work with, um, you know, Roger Trajitzer, who's or Scott Sewell. I think he was on your show. So, mm-hmm. you know, just like they're part of management, so is Ken Penrod, and he's had a lot of ideas uh, since 2009 when I took hold, and I believe he had a lot of ideas a decade before that. My predecessor is he a man eater? Um, <laughs> so we, haven't shut down the, we haven't shut down the fishery, you know. So wh- what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we have a destination fishery for anglers. And look, the Potomac River used to be on BASS's top 100. It's no longer on that list. We've lost tournaments on the Potomac River over the past five or ten years. And that's because it started because of the economy, but it stayed. Because of the poor fishery. Ah, because so the Bell Alton closed their pool. that business. You can't do it if you don't have bass in the water. I'll just fix so, it with, without hindering us. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Gosh. We're going to work it's, on that. It's so easy. <laughs> All right. Well, I, let, let, yeah. I, 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 hey, Joe, thanks for coming on because this was I was more educated in the last 30 minutes that I've been on every other Ike Live in the history of our shows. Uh, Thanks thanks for coming on. One last little tidbit. 
I think yeah. it has all to do with Obama. So once Obama's yeah. out of presidency, <laughs> we're good to go. But, you know, <laughs> I don't think he's going to run for president again. You're right. You're right. So our problems are solved. Uh, hey, you got something right tonight, Joe. Good job. Uh, uh, <laughs> Joe, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Joe Love, everybody. Joe, Merrill thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, agree or disagree, stand-up guy coming on. Good, great yeah, guy. You know? Great guy. Great stand guy. You got it. I mean, honestly, we, we posed very tough questions. We let the IMs be heard, and he tried to answer them. And that's, you know, hey, what, what can you do? You know, no, he's doing what, his job. What, so what he basically said, though, there's there's a problem. So they can attack. They know there's a problem. Yeah. They couldn't attack the meat eaters because that is a legislative problem. Right. They can attack the anglers because it's a permit. They can they can they can backdoor and do a quicker yeah. process by addressing it immediately by attacking the permits. Well, yeah, but but you know? to the, in their defense, they're trying to do something. They're trying to do something. They're trying to do yeah. something good for the fishery. You know? Yeah, yeah. And but again, you know, the problem I have is is the science behind it because because it seems like it's guesswork. It's an easy way out, it and, and it's an easy way out. Yeah, to the 50% me, grass thing yeah, and, and we're going to have Gene on oh, yeah. the phone, and I want to talk to Gene. Let's get him on the phone. Oh, I want to talk to him because to me, bass fishing, and we talked about this off camera. Bass fishing has never been better yeah. in the world mm-hmm. than it is right now. And this doesn't seem like the logical solution to it. I like where their heart's at. They're trying to they're trying to make a better fishery. I think they're doing it the wrong way. Uh, but, but you know, about, again. I, I think about, some, some good can come out of this. Like I said, yeah. teaching those tournament directors and, and making them responsible oh, no, no. Good for can, some of that stuff. No, good. And, and getting in the awareness to the angler. Dude, absolutely. That they've got to do a better job absolutely. of caring that's for these not, fish. I don't have a problem with that's that. That's good. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Here's, a, here's the problem, Dave. How the, how the F did they go ahead and do all this without anybody knowing? That's that's the problem I have because well, like he talked about a year long regulation. He he said early on, dude, there was a whole bunch of cogs, and we didn't ask well, him who the other problem. cogs were. That's a problem. So the traffic coming through that quaint little town yeah. in the northeast, I'm yeah. sure they had a lot of pull and saying yeah, this, this has to stop. Yeah, well yeah. that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, I think we've got him on the phone right now. Uh, man, I am so happy to have him on the show. Uh, I've known this guy for a long time. He does a tremendous job. For Bass as their conservation director. We're going to get his opinion on this and other topics. Uh, Gene Gillahan. Gene, everybody. He's a man. Hey, Mike. It was glad to be on tonight. Thank you. How you doing, Gene? Good to, good to hear from you on a Saturday night. Where Are you Are you calling from home, or where are you at tonight? I, I am at home in Oklahoma. I just got off the water not too long ago with our junior bass club. I was a volunteer boater this afternoon. Outstanding. Wow. Very good. good for you, Gene. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. Thinking about the youth. Uh, yeah. Gene, we're, we're, we're going to get right into it because we got a bunch of things for you tonight. And by the way... Uh, for for those of Ike uh, Ike Live fans that are watching tonight, doesn't know Gene. Gene is the mastermind behind uh, bass conservation. He's done a tremendous job uh, w- with uh, helping the resource in the last couple of years, and I've I've got to know Gene over the years. He's a great guy. Uh, l- let's start with the the first one, and we just had uh, Joe Love uh, from the M- uh, Maryland uh, DNR on the phone, and we were really trying to work through. What's going on right now uh, with, with this new regulation? Right off the cuff, Gene, let me let me get your feeling on it. And how do you feel about what they're what what they're doing? I think what they're doing is their heart's in the right place, but they just took some missteps in getting there. 
um, by not getting enough input from the anglers and the tournament organizations before they made the decisions. Um, in their defense, since it is a policy decision and not something that goes through their regulation process, they've been able to backpedal and fix some of the things that were wrong with their first proposals. Right. And and we have been in discussions with them now for two weeks. In fact, I've got another call with them on Monday uh, about the, the latest version. It's true. Uh, and, and we're going to try to iron out a couple of little wrinkles that, we, that we've seen. But uh, they – and I have looked at all of the data that, that Joe Love has presented, all of the scientific data, just, just for – for people that don't know, I worked for the Oklahoma Wildlife Department as a fishery biologist for 30 years, managing bass fisheries. So that's my background. I've fished tournaments since I was in junior high, so I know both sides of this. Yeah. Um, so I've looked at their data, and, and they've got some evidence that I think in, in some ways supports what they're trying to do. It's just I'm not sure they quite got it right how to go about it. Right. And uh, and I think that's that's uh, you know in, in some respects that's a good thing that they're trying to do something. Uh, they just got to tweak it a little bit and, and get it to where everybody's uh, can be comfortable with it. And and yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make some groups upset. Um, but I think if people will read through the the whole set of rules and the the options that are given, uh, a lot of it's not that hard to comply with uh, to be able to get the the waiver from that new slot limit right and, uh, it, it, it's not requiring a group to have a release boat that's something i saw in some of the comments that came through it's not requiring that in fact dnr is making their fish hatchery trucks available to groups if they want to basically rent them wow uh, for for a small fee that i don't know that they figured out the price yet but if, if you don't have a release boat or release trailers or something like that, uh, DNR is making their equipment and their staff available to help redistribute fish. Wow. So wow. if you follow a bunch of these other, you know, Joe called them best management practices, and, and for years I've, I've always called it, you know, how do you put on a fish-friendly weigh-in? And, and when, when, we, when we put together the, the processes that BASS goes through, 20 years ago, um, it, a lot of it is stuff that Bass already does. So we're not going to have hardly any problem in in complying with the new uh, options that they've laid out. And I think a lot of other clubs and, and tournament organizations will be able to do the same thing if they really just start looking through that and figure out, hey, hey we probably already do a lot of that stuff. Hey, Gene. We may not have to make a lot of big changes or spend a lot of money to make it work to protect the fishery. Right. Hey, Gene, this is Dave. In your opinion, do you think that the PVC pipes shoot into the water is fish-friendly? The uh, the fish cannon? <laughs> exactly. Is that, does I, that fall under that? I am not in favor of fish cannon. <laughs> uh, I was just wondering. <laughs> the, uh, the, in fact, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife did a study on some of the ones that were installed down at uh, Falcon Lake and, and found that it... Uh, it actually increases mortality. Wow! So, it's like a giant. It's like a giant water slide for. See, bats. I was trying to be funny. And I, we learned something. <laughs> yeah, from see that? <laughs> see that? He's trying to. 
without the water. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to bring up something, uh, Gene, and, and you know, Joe Joe's a great guy and he's he's a younger guy. You know, he's um, he, he's a younger guy than a lot of us in the room here tonight. Uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about is this cyclical nature of fisheries and, and one of the things we miss with Joe that I want you to comment on is bass fishing in general. It, it, you know, let's talk about the United States. You know, we all sat here before the show came on, and we looked at each other, Pete and Dave and Brian, and we looked at each other. We said, bass fishing's never been better. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, you, you look at it a, as a whole. We've never had better fishing conditions all over the country than we have right now in this era. How is that possible and things like this are still happening? They don't seem like they were late. Do you, do you want to comment well, on that? Yeah, these are the good old days. Uh, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And the thing, though, that, that happens, though, is when when you have cycles that go come through, they're, they're not, uh, unfortunately, with, with things like hurricanes and storms and events like that, there's no predicting when that sort of thing is going to happen and what kind of impact that's going to have on the habitat. And and you guys talked about this earlier. Habitat is the key to the whole thing. Yeah. But on something as massive as the Potomac or the Chesapeake, effecting change to the habitat is a monumental task that costs more money than God's got. And and so it, it makes it difficult for the for the state to be able to do much about that side of the equation. So they have to work with the angler side. Mm. But the, the good fishing that we're seeing in a lot of places now is is a result of a lot of, you know, there have been a lot of reservoirs built, there's been a lot of lakes that are maturing. Um, whether you believe in global warming or not, there's, there's all sorts of things going on in the environment that right now tend to favor black bass over... Some of the other species. You look at some of the fisheries up north. Um, well, you know where we're where bass is having the uh, the AOI on Mille Lacs Lake in yeah. Minnesota. The walleye fishery is collapsing. Yeah. The, the smallmouth fishery is going through the roof. Yeah. And a lot of that's because the habitat's changing. The water's warmer now than it historically has ever been. There's more vegetation growing. There's stuff going on like that that is impacting bass fisheries in a positive way yep and, and it's happening all over the country uh the other thing that's, that's that's been alluded to is this this idea of people just don't keep bass like they used to when i started my career with oklahoma the surveys that we did showed that about 30 to 40 percent of the bass that got caught went home with somebody to a skillet <laughs> now on a nationwide basis that number is five to ten percent wow so, and that's fish that die from any kind of fishing, whether it's tournaments or people taking them home to eat them or whatever. Right. So when you've got a when you've got a fishery like Joe described, the Potomac being where most of the fishing that goes on there is tournament fishing, then by default, a pretty good percentage of those fish that do die for whatever reason are probably going to be results of tournament activity and we know that especially in the summertime that's when it's the worst when you've got those those hot summers and like it or not and and you know mike you guys at the at the elite level 
you get it. You know how to handle fish. You've got the good equipment. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of smaller tournaments right. and groups out there. Mm-hmm. The guys just, they trade the fish in for money. Right. And they really don't care they much don't. about what happens right. to them afterwards. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. Now, Gene, is that the reason for the, uh, in their proposal, they have June 16th through October 31st. Does, does that correspond to the... To the heat of the summer, is that why that regulation is during that time period? I assume that's that's what they can. Now, why it goes that far into the fall, I, I don't know. That's uh, gotcha. That that would be that would be a Joe question, but you know that's probably a little later than than I would have expected it to be. Right. But, you know, typically we think of you know June, July, and August. It's also it's also confusing that you say that that they are not protecting the spawn, and the month of May is when the spawn's happening, and there's no regulation there. Yeah, and in the spawn, it's opposite, right? Because on the spawn in Maryland waters, the fish has to be over 15 inches to keep. That's why there's no regulation. Right. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I forgot about now, that. Now, I, I, I want to switch gears with Eugene. I got one more topic I want to talk about this, and then we're going to throw some weird stuff at you that okay. uh, our producer uh, sent you an email, and hopefully you got a chance to look at it. But um, yeah. I, I, I want to talk about, and because I'm sitting here listening to both sides, and we're, we're piecing through hundreds of IMs here. And I want to ask you your opinion on this. So, you know, you come from the scientific side of it. And uh, and a lot of what we're talking about tonight is political. How, oh, yeah. how do you... How do you manage that? How do you deal with that? So, so for for our Ike Live listeners out there that are just squirreling in their seats and they're like, what the hell, I can't... You know, and they see the politics behind this. How do you deal with it? How, how do you... How do you negotiate science with politics? What's your strategy on that? Well, when the, the last few years of my career in Oklahoma, I was in the fisheries administration. I was assistant fisheries chief. And, and as I used to tell people, it's like juggling. And you try to keep all the balls in the air at one time without dropping any of them. And, and it gets very difficult. And, and what you've got to re- realize is that most of your viewers – I would suspect are tournament anglers uh, of one one level or another, and, and a lot of this discussion is all about tournaments. But when you look at it on a on a national basis, when you, you ask everybody of what, what their favorite fish to fish for is bass, like half the country wants to fish for bass. Yeah. But tournament anglers only make up about ten to fifteen percent of that, so we're we're kind of in a minority. So keep that in mind when you say, okay, why are you just regulating tournament anglers and not everybody else? Well, if the things come down to a vote, we're going to get outvoted because there are more of them than there are of us. Right. So from a, from a standpoint of what they've got to do on the, on the state side is, is they've got to really try to balance that out. And, you know, if, if I'm a fish chief, I'm trying to think, well, I've got – people that like to fish for striped bass i got people that like to fish for trout i got people that like to fish for black bass you know all these different segments of their the people that are buying a fishing license that i've got to answer to and you got people like it or not that want to keep fish and take them home to eat them you know and and Boo. i blame them for that if they want to do that within the limits that's fine but from the fisheries department they've got to 
balance all that stuff out, and that's where right. it gets really, really tough. Yeah, is keeping keeping some sort of a, a balance there so you don't get. Uh, it, it's like you got to keep everybody equally pissed off. You know. That's kind of <laughs> <what it is. laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I that's a, I, I tell you that's a tough scenario, and uh, I've I've always shied away from the politics of stuff. Now, speaking of politics, let's go to the other side, which is science. And, Gene, this is where we can trust you and believe you because you have that background. Uh, our very own Brian the Carpenter, our producer, sent you an email. And we've got this really cool um, slideshow of yeah. pictures of this bass that has been tracked. And, th- and this is, to me, i got to tell you, one of the really cool things about social media you know, there's a million bad things about social media, but one of the great <laughs> things about it is uh, it, it lets us do some of this really cool stuff. And, and Brian sent you a little history of a single fish, a lone fish, and this for sure is the same fish that has been right. caught over a series of years in a local little lake here, a tri-state area lake. Um, and we've had thousands of comments here at Ike Live <laughs> on... What the hell is this? Is this like a freak? Is this well, well, Mike? Is well, this the Mike Tyson of bass, or what is this thing? Well, here we go. We get, we've got we've got a um, Jim Harvey caught this in November of 2011. Here's here's his picture, and here is Cody Duff, October of 2015. Look at the markings. Right. Look at the. Uh, a spot on the lip and on the dorsal fin or the pectoral fin. And for people watching, they're fist-sized black circles all over the back of this yeah. monster bass. And that was Cody Duff, October 2015. Here's Bridget Allen, a friend of the show, a good friend of ours, in November of 2015. Same fish, man. You look at this spot on the lip, the spot on the... And then... uh, And here it is, Warren... Another friend yeah. of ours, Warren Wolf, and Warren caught this fish in March of 2016. Pretty cool. Um, cool to see that catch and release does work, and uh, cool to see that they track this fish. I, this fish has been caught for the last five years and uh, gotten a little bit bigger, not tremendously. It's not a very smart it, fish. It's also cool to see that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. neither one of them are at work, the fish or Warren. Well, I see. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. It, it does really... You know, it's a testimony to catch and release. Obviously, that fish has been caught four times over that length of time. Um, it, it also tells me that that fish is really stupid. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> and we've, we've done some tagging studies, and we've seen fish that are that are like that that get caught three or four or five times. They just, you know, but the the markings on that fish, you know, is a obvious a way to to tell that it was in fact the same fish. And I know people have. We've had that question, oh, I don't know, the last eight or ten years that people want to know what those marks are. It's almost like birthmarks or tattoos on the fish, and, and it seems to be coming more more prevalent around the country. And uh, the only thing that anybody's ever been able to come up with is that that when fish get handled, and, and especially when they're caught and released, uh, it... it it doesn't really damage the skin, but it affects the skin and the cells in their skin that create those pigments. And and it the, the cells 
you know, turn the that part of the skin mm. black. And one of the other things that if you look at some of those pictures, especially in different months, different times of the year, they think there may be something related to like hormone changes during the spawning cycles and that sort of thing that sort of make those spots sometimes more vivid or, uh, you know, something like that. And so nobody really knows, but the, the one thing that we have figured out, because a lot of the states are seeing that in the fish in their hatcheries, the, the brood stock that are in the hatchery ponds that get used over and over every year for spawning, uh, it doesn't hurt the fish. It's, it's simply something in the skin pigment, and they seem to be just fine with it. And, and obviously this fish is, has uh, survived pretty well for, uh, for Mike, several years. Michael Jackson wow. had the same thing, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, Michael Jackson and... Uh... The fish has impentago? No, it's vitilingo, not impentago, vitilingo. Vitilingo? Vitilingo. Oh, okay. Wow, well, that's impentago interesting. Impentago is an infection. That's I, ca- I caught the same five pounder back to back years at Rapopo Creek. It had the w- had a water turkey V ma- mash on it. Once on a buzz bait, once on a jig. Back to back years, same about hundred yards apart from each other. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Gene, I've got uh, we're, we're going to let you run here in a second, but I've got one big thing I want to talk to you about, and this is uh, it's a great forum, um, and and I I want you to 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 let everybody know, you know. If there's one thing you could tell our listeners, and again, our, our, a lot of our listeners are club guys, they're you know avid tournament guys. If there's one thing they could do better to help with the conservation of, of bass, to help with you know getting them back and 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 letting that fish live, what what is it? What's one thing tournament guys could do better to help with the care of fish? Mike the over the years, the single biggest downfall or, or weak link, I guess you'd say, is anglers don't have a really good concept of what we call delayed mortality. When fish are brought into a weigh-in, they can be healthy and lively and look just as frisky as can be, and even biologists can't tell that a week later that can fish can be dead as a hammer. <laughs> and it all goes back to how they're treated in the live well. Uh, right. Most of the time, the weigh-in process is not as much a problem because it's fairly quick. They may be in a live well five, six, eight hours. And keeping fresh water and keeping oxygen levels and temperature control in the live well is absolutely the most important thing they can do to make sure that those fish live long-term after they're released. Gotcha. And don't don't just make the assumption that because it it wiggled and you didn't get a dead fish penalty that that fish is going to survive. Right. That's really the thing that we've got to get people to start thinking more about is what you do during the day is going to make a difference to how long that fish lives next week, next month, next year. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time for that fish to be in a live well, right? If you catch it first thing in the morning, it's seven, eight hours. If you catch it midday, it's five hours. So. Think think about what you're doing. Think about keeping that fish with oxygen, cool water, doing all the right things during the course of the day. That's what makes a difference. And, and I'll I'll put a plug in right here for the uh, on uh, on our website on Bassmaster.com. If you go to the page that says Nation and then pull down, there's a little thing that says Conservation. On that page is a 
a guidebook that we put together several years ago called Keeping Bass Alive. And it's it's got, you know, it's got the tips. It's got the things you need to do, the basic stuff you need to do to make sure your fish stay healthy. Gotcha. Awesome. Gotcha. Well, everybody, please, everybody watching tonight, check that out. Uh, Gene, thanks for joining us tonight, man. What a what a really refreshing take on uh, on that issue and on uh, some other stuff. I'm, uh, I'm glad you've got our back out there, Gene. Yeah, we appreciate it. Appreciate it, Gene. Thanks for joining us tonight. See Have you, a good Gene. night, man. Thanks, dude. All right. Thanks a lot. Wow. Hey, uh, I, I, I love it, Brian. Brian let me lots r- of real quick. Real quick, before you get into it, I got to tell you, I love hearing from both sides, Agreed. and that's, I, I do. I love that. I I hate when we come on the show and there's a, a hot topic going on, and we hear from one side mm-hmm. of the of the the issue. Yeah. We heard from both sides tonight, and both very intelligent, yeah. smart dudes. And it's it's my, you know my, my take from what Gene said, and I think he's right. They started out Maryland with a, with a set of I guess regulations, for lack of a better term. And by some input from the angler community, they changed it. Yeah. Talking with bass, they changed it. They're trying. They're trying to do something good for the fishery, and they're trying to account for the anglers. And I appreciate them making that change and yeah. trying, trying, trying to make it good for all parties concerned. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think that's pretty cool. Although they should have had the anglers involved from the beginning. They should have, uh, and, and that's that, that's something that pissed a lot of guys off that they they did skip past that process. It did. But uh, before you before you do that, I got a message from Bridget Allen. She uh, she said, "How cool is it? You put the pickup of the fish she caught, and she caught that fish on a DT6 that you gave her." Yeah, wow. DT6 in the house, blueback herring. That's what she's exactly right. She said blueback herring. Blueback herring, yeah. great bait on that lake. Bridget, quick kissing up tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> shout, shout out, shout out to Bridget. Shout out to Bridget. We love Bridget. Uh, let me uh, let me do a couple things here real quick, and then um, Brad, do you want to take a break or do you want to get right into? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So l- let me start by saying, did I hear a yawn back there? Yeah. Our I am girl is yawning in the back. It's a dead giveaway that the show is coming to a close. Uh, let me thank you for watching tonight. Dude, what a stupendous show. Stupendous. Rick Clun, Edwin Evers, the hot topic going on in Maryland. We've tackled it all. And we've done it here on Nike Live. No big deal. Uh, l- <laughs> let me uh, let me uh, give a shout out to uh, to a friend of the show, uh, Canadian angler Dave Cook. Uh, he's undergoing round four four uh, rounds of treatment for melanoma mm, wow. uh, cancer. Uh, Dave, we're thinking about you. We're with you, buddy. We're with you. Uh, you. You know, once again, dude, skin cancer's big. If you're an angler, think about protecting your skin, dude. Wear the protection. Wear the buffs. UV protection clothing. Dr. Dan's. Think about all that stuff. Uh, it's it's. As I'm looking at your arms over there. As as you look, that's just dry skin. Don't worry about that. <laughs> ash. Uh, did you just call me Ash? Eat some <laughs> Ash's cocoa butter, yo. <laughs> ash. I love it, Ash. Where are oh. your Dr. Dan's? Oh. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, I know a lot of you wait for this part of the show. It is 10 o'clock. We are at the official after hours. In fact, we're balls deep. And after hours. Tonight. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Shout out to Balls Deep. <laughs> Do you think they hung in there for the three hours to hear I that? don't know. <laughs> but if you did, you're Balls Deep tonight live. Uh, if you're Balls Deep, uh, this is Ike Live After Hours. This is the part of the show 
We're, we're, we're three or four beers in. Pete's uh, his SoCo and Lime Cat uh, uh, Morgan's Her coffee days. in. Uh, this is part of the show where we're going to have fun. But I know what you're waiting for. You're waiting for the three-month subscription to Mystery Tackle Box. And we're going to do that. Before we do it, uh, we're, we're going to do our embarrassing moments for the Ike Live Cast member contest. Okay? And you're going to guess it. But before we do that, we're going to actually do a real quick unboxing, an MTB unboxing. Cool. And uh, Wait, wait. Got- do, why don't we do the contest so while they roll in, you can unbox? Yeah. Do you want to do that? I think that's a good idea. We'll set it out there okay. for the right. for, for the people. We'll unbox and then okay. we'll see who the winners are. All right, let, let's do this though. Before we get into the contest, let me show you right here. Brian, give me a close up. This right. is right here what we're talking about. This is a mystery tackle box pro box. This is the box. This is the one I love. This is the one, the one I dry hump at night. Uh, I love this thing. <laughs> this is the one I just I, I just dry hump this every night. I love this thing. Um, and we're going to be giving a three-month subscription to this, to the winner of this contest. They're going to get the Pro Box or the Brown one I, that I get? It doesn't matter. They're going to get a box. Yeah. Now, let's get into it. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave, tell me about this contest. Dave, you've been all quiet right. all night. Tell me about well, this. I haven't been quiet. I mean, there's now, science going on. I'm not, I'm not the science guy. So here we go. All right. Bro Don't science I. guy. I am bro, I, I am, I am a, I'm a legit professor in bro science, bro but not strict shake. science. So here we go. Bro. Tonight's contest, the winner that can successfully guess... All five of our most embarrassing stories. Yes, will win a three-month subscription. They gonna get the black box or the brown one? We'll give them. We'll give them black and brown combined. They're, getting, they're black, getting a subscription. That's not for you to worry about. Subscription. You read the paper. Sorry. That's outside our control. That's what I do. I will repeat it. I'll read it once, and then maybe we do some unboxing, then I'll read it again, because they're going to have to remember five stories, and it's going to be a quick synopsis. Now, five stories. Now, they're going to have to guess the cast member whose story it is. Exactly. Take take notes, people. Take notes. Take notes. So Dave doesn't have to do this 20 times. Correct. And then the cast member will, everyone will, in detail, reveal this story. Yes. This is just a quick little blurb. Are you ready? Yeah. Dave, just, just to surmise real quick, Dave. They're going to respond on the IM board with the names of the five of us, Mike, Pete, Dave, Brian, Becky, in the order that matches the story as you read them. Yes. And begin. Okay. Okay. Which of our cast members was tricked into a dirty Sanchez? Ooh. I repeat, which of our cast members <laughs> was tricked into a Dirty Sanchez? Dirty Sanchez. Okay. Number one, Dirty Sanchez. Number two, this Ike Live member was depanced in front of a whole gym class. Wow. Oof. Depanced in front of a whole gym depanced. class. Depanced. Depanced. Is there a depanced? <laughs> full, <laughs> full frontal in front of the entire class. Balls deep. Number three was caught. <laughs> 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 of course. All right. Number three was caught tweaking their nipples during a dinner conversation on a second date. <laughs> I this- think we're all shocked it wasn't the first date. Seriously. <laughs> this individual was on a second date and was caught 
Tweaking their nipples. Twisting their nipples. During a dinner conversation at, at a restaurant. You mean like twisting, <laughs> engaging, tweaking and twisting. activating their own nipples. Yeah, exactly. Arousing. Activating. <laughs> activating. <laughs> Auto <right>. fellatio <laughs> of their own nipples. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem unusual. Activate them. <laughs> All right. This fourth person was so attracted to their hairstylist that they knocked over the wa- <laughs> the workstation <laughs> twice in a fit of euphoria. Euphoria! <laughs> <laughs> Say that one again. So the fourth individual was so attracted to their hairstylist that they knocked over the workstation twice. During the haircut in a fit of euphoria. <laughs> Workstage all over the place. I right. want to know if that was very recent. Scissors, talcum powder, everywhere. <laughs> that that magic juice that they dip the scissors in. You yeah. see the scissors just so in. It's blue. What is yeah. that? It's a blue shit. I don't know. Magic oh, one juice. more story. One more story. Blue shit. All right. Blue shit all Get over to the, the finish floor. line. Oh, my God. All right. The fifth and last cast member. Relieve their self over the side of a boat knowingly 10 feet from camouflaged duck hunters. <laughs> unknowingly. 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 They did yeah. it knowingly or unknowingly. <laughs> so the fifth one hung it over the side of the boat in front of a bunch of camoed out duck hunters and did not know they were there. Now, is this, are we talking about number one or number two? They pee or poop over the side? They're going to tell that uh, upon the reveal. Okay. All right. So they, they relieve themselves, but we don't know which one. We don't know if it was a deuce or a, or, or a single. Okay. All right? All right. All right. So now, so so I encourage everyone watching tonight to go ahead and guess, uh, send in through instant messaging, your guess on which cast member fits into one, two, three, four, five. First one to get it right, three-month Subscription to Mystery Tackle Box. All right, so Man, this is exciting. It. I'm excited. Let's yeah. unbox it. Let's okay. see what you got. All right, so let's do the unboxing while we're waiting. And uh, uh, I've got uh, I've got the Pro Box here, and uh, Pete's got the regular uh, MTV box. We and we're, we're going to open them both. We're going to do a dual unboxing. You hear that noise right there? Did you hear that, Brian? That was that tape popping? Dude, you know, very exciting moment. You know what I'm most excited about? What's that? Is Jake's not here. Because when I open the mystery tackle box at home, yeah, it, oh, all, it, it all disappears. Oh, absolutely, it's gone instantly. Jake oh, gets kids, all the kids, kids love this tackle. <laughs> kids love this tackle, and this, this is, and you know they always do this. I want to show you, Brian. Give me, a, give me a close up of this. They always do this. Look at this. Look at it. Look at these MTB guys. I know what they do, dude. They put, they put the card and they put all this, this hair. They put this hair hey, over top. I got the KVD online. They, they delay it because they want to lay a little anticipation. Right. Yeah, let's do one box at a time, guys. Okay, Pete, what do you got? You go first. I got the Diachi um, octopus hooks. Awesome. Variety of sizes. Red. Wacky rig. Wacky hook. rig. Wacky it's rig. It's the hook. deal. It's a good hook. You got a bucktail. Ooh, bucktail. A bucktail. We talked green. Hair, we talked hair with Edwin earlier. I, I caught some oh. bucktail fish on the Going Ike show. We did. We did. Yeah. Little hair. And I've got a fluke uh, hologram spike it lure. Ooh. Pack of uh, like fluke oriented baits. Little a little swim God. bait. Looks like, looks like a killer. <laughs> Small mouth color. I don't think Dave's well, going to be I got throwing this. I got in my pond. <laughs> Is that corn? Oh. Live target shrimp, baby. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Is that a saltwater box? That's got to be a saltwater. Why is that a shrimp? What the fuck? <laughs> there are 
freshwater shrimp. Tell me about Hold on, hold on. You know what's hilarious? So, so, Mystery Tackle Box, you know, when they came on as official sponsor yeah. of the show, they sent us, you know, I've been getting a subscription for over a year now, but we got subscriptions for yeah. for you guys, and um, and we had one for Jared, our sales guy. Yeah. I sent one to him. Guess what he's been getting? Uh, saltwater? He's, he's been getting the saltwater box. Well, he does a little saltwater fishing. He's like, what are you guys getting? I'm like, I got Lucky Crafts, man. <laughs> I got the damn saltwater box. I get shrimp. Shrimp. <laughs> shrimp, baby. Uh, I thought that was awesome. The shrimp actually looks good. They got actually have tentacles. Remember that DOA shrimp we oh, used down at the Mobile? Oh, yeah. Now some scampi. Hey, bassy shrimp. That's a killer. All right, That's let me let me let me break into my box. And I gotta tell you something. I don't I don't know a lot about this bait. But let me let me show it to you because it is hot. Article. I've got a live target bait ball crankbait here, and this has won the iCast award for the last couple of years. Yeah. It looks like a it looks like several fish. Really, whether you use it or not, it's a cool bait. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, next one, a frog. Wow. Sabeel frog. Oh, that's a good frog. That's Brian yeah. the Carpenter is a big fan of this frog. Yeah, Brian, yeah. you want to talk about this a little bit? Well, it's got a very unique. Uh, it's well, here, pass this back to Brian. Yes, pass that back to Brian. It's got a very unique hooking system no. on it. It's got a very unique hooking system. Oh, the Pro Box is the deal. Not a, yeah, and the Brown Pro Box, box is, is good too. Pete just got a saltwater one with shrimp <laughs> and all kinds of other stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go catch some shrimp bass on the uh, chest. I see them. Let, let me let me uh, <laughs> let me let me let me jump in before you talk about that frog real yeah, quick. Uh, Savage Gear soft stick baits, black red flake, great color. Uh, I use them. Uh, uh, all-terrain tackle football head jig. This is a Jim Moyna jig. If you like long hair, then you'll like that jig. <laughs> nah, this has a real thin hook. Real thin hook uh, on it, man. Yeah. Got a really cool little uh, the moaner. It's a shaky head. And then finally, let me end it with this one. And a really cool sticker, too, in here. But uh, let me end it with this one. A Rains bubbling shaker. Let me tell you something. I don't I don't fish this bait, but uh, a couple of the elite guys do. The rain stuff is really good stuff. They they have some really good fish cats and stuff. They got some great stuff. This is a, a this is a Japanese type company. Great, I've heard a lot about this bait. Man, the MTB Pro Box banging banging this month, man. Love well, it. Well, Love all the stuff. We giving that to anybody, or is, uh, is that staying here? That's yours, Dave. What all do right. you got on that frog, Brian? Well, it's empty. <laughs> it's got the hair. There's <laughs> that Sabeel frog with the lacerated hook. That's a cool hook. Is that a single or a double? A single hook, dude. But it's it's it, it cuts free from the body, so you don't. No have... problem on hook sets with a single though. Nah, man. We get it all day long. All day long. All day. Jim Moyna. Man, that's a hell of a hook. I'd like for the weed guard to be a little bit closer, but man, that's a that's a smart hook, man. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Uh, uh, we still don't have winners, I have a winner. Straight from Minnetonka. Come on. We How could somebody winner? get that? Somebody finally guessed right. That's like a lottery. That's amazing. It's impossible. That's a true, that is a true listener. Right there. They, Are we ready for the... Some, you know, psychological profiling. Yeah, we're going to go right in order. All right, yeah, let's, uh, all right, let's, let's confess our sins <laughs> and admit to our wrongdoings. <laughs> all right. All right, so how we, how do you want to run this here, you, Mr. Iconelli? With the, got tricked into the dirty Sanchez. Tell your story, Michael. Why? Did, okay, so that? number one was dirty Sanchez, and that was 
Me. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. No, seventh. Eighth. Eighth. Hundred percent. Sure, it was the seventh. I was. Uh, well, I real, real quick before eighth. you what tell is the story. Bernie Sanchez. Um, <laughs> Lucas R. Kemp. Send me your information. I won't put it through, but I need your information. Lucas R. Kemp, you are the winner. I don't know how you knew this. That's amazing. He may be a stalker. Lucas may be a giant stalker. Lucas won. I don't care. Yeah, he won. Uh, Lucas, you won a three-month subscription to MTB. Man, awesome. Congratulations. Let me start. I'm number one. The Dirty Sanchez, eighth grade. I thought it was seventh, but eighth grade. Um, I wasn't in your group in seventh grade. Okay, so it was eighth grade. So in gym, you got to think about gym class back in the day. This is in the 80s. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, 80s. Get, yeah. So, you know, you got gym, you have like the shower room, the locker room or whatever. And I remember uh, it was it was this guy, Sonny, put me up to this thing and he was like, oh, let me see if you can do, I bet you can't do like uh, 100 sit-ups or well, I don't know what it was. He tw- said you bet you can't do a sit-up with your eyes closed. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Okay. On bet- the bench. On a bench. On the bench in the in the in the okay. locker room in gym class. So I took that bet. I'm an eager eighth grader. One blindfolded sit up. I took the bet and I went back, closed my eyes, did the sit up. The next thing I know, I have a giant pair of balls <laughs> in my face. <laughs> and the stench <laughs> the stench. <laughs> So so you did a, you did a blind sit up and Sonny hovered his 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 underwear butthole over your nose butthole and uh right. and and balls in my yeah, face yeah. Oh, man just for fun just for fun but I but you know I I I feel like I'm a better person because of that <laughs> let's move on that was awful it'll never happen to you again. No, dirty Sanchez Pete is when someone takes the sweat from their ass crack and puts it across <laughs> it gives you a Hitler oh. it gives you a Hitler that's what oh. dirty Sanchez is he All thought right. it was the reaction innovation sweet right. fever Brazic. So, my most embarrassing story of my life took place freshman year of high school. (laughs) All right? And it was before gym class started. Everyone was out early. And we all had to wear uniform gym clothes. So, we had a T-shirt and a real baggy pair of, like, cheap material shorts that we all had to wear. (laughs) And you actually, if you didn't wear the shorts, and I did, I rebelled and I got failed. But you can fail gym by not wearing the uniform. Right? I did. I failed gym one year. Because I would not wear them shorts. Probably because I was traumatized from this. So, right. We had it was gymnastics that day, and we had the ring set up. Oh. And this was pre-planned by by all the actors involved, and there was no teacher down there. And I got on the rings, and they, and they, everyone started pushing me, and I was flying back and forth. I'm talking flying, dude, more than you can usually get away with. And I'm hammering, and on the way back. Someone took them cheap ass shorts down and the underwear with them. Dude. So I had to do a whole cycle back, and then when I finally like it finally clicked, what happened? I was going backwards, and that's when I let go. I hit the mat. I'm rolling. My pants are down by my ankles. Wow! Yeah, and it was a full gym class. Everyone saw me because I was the spectacle. You know, so, class isn't starting. I'm swinging. Yeah. So the whole class, males, females, Everyone. teachers, everybody. Dave, no teachers. This? No teachers were in there. That's oh, how no I was teacher. getting away with it. Yeah, because. Okay. You couldn't get away with that crap with a teacher. Really. Dave, yeah. what grade was this? It was freshman year. Oh, wow. wow. Was that prepubescent? Oh. Too many questions. Uh, nah, dude. <laughs> what are you getting at, Brian? What are you getting at, Brian? Did it score you a date after this incident? No, nah, absolutely not. <laughs> All right, who's number three? No, I, I just remember that Dave, it happened to Dave in vaults in the second woods oh, in a tree. No. There was a fight. 
Do you remember this, Mike? Did I ever mention that I who hated you fight? in this show ever? Who was in the fight, Dave? <laughs> was it, uh... I don't know who to Garrity, fight. Garrity, uh... Was that Mahoney and, or Garrity and Sonny? Uh, whatever. Do but, you know the story? This no, is bad. I, you know what? This probably should have been my most embarrassing. So, anyone who has a separate device going right now, Google... Richard Simmons workout shorts, all right? <laughs> because in 1984, guys wore these shorts, and they were these really short acrylic shorts, and they had acrylic. They had built-in underwear, and they were like banana hammocks, oh. right? So there was Biffle. a so, what kind of guys? Biffle shorts. I, I probably had a half shirt on that day too, Becky. If you want to know, all right? Mesh half shirt. Oh, half shirt. <laughs> so there was a fight, and it, when we when we got in a fight in middle school, you called someone out to the second woods. So this this fight is out in the second, second woods, and I'm climbing up this tree to get a bird's eye view of this fight. I'm going to be the funny guy up in the tree watching the oh fight. God. So I'm in like almost like a Heisman pose. One leg's like higher yeah. than the other. Well, this is Garrity Lu- uh, Luciano. Dude, I don't know. This is Garrity Luciano. It could be. But second I was woods. a late bloomer physically. <laughs> so uh, here I am, Heisman <laughs> Trophy, Richard Simmons shorts. And my prepubescent manhood hanging out the goddamn banana hammock, unbeknownst to me, right? Joe Ranieri, that son of a bitch, Jenny, he fucking, he looks up and he points to my shit. I don't know if the fight's happening at this point or it was before the fight. And I don't know I'm getting pointed at. And everyone's looking up and laughing, dude. I could, I wish that, I wish I was 100 feet up because I would have let go. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was the worst, dude. You know what I mean? You're, here Joe you are. Ranieri. You're a 14-year-old boy. Other guys got hair, especially, you know, Mike, Ron around with all the armpit hair at like nine, you know? <laughs> yeah, here I am, you know? Oh, my God. Dude, but, back, but, but here's the thing. Back then, dude, if you would have known but you know now, you don't want the shit. You shave it now. You want to be. Listen to me right now. There's what? no way to clean that up for a 14-year-old boy. Right? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Moving all right. On. So, sorry. All right. Number three. Number three. That's me, man. Who takes responsibility for it? What do you uh, got? It's me. So uh, I was on my, uh, I think it was my second date with Heather, right? And uh, she's way out of my league. So His I'm, wife. I, yeah, my wife. And uh, we were in like um, uh, uh, Lambertville, New Hope. New Hope, but one of these trendy, like... Uh, Dude, like a really nice restaurant. Really, yeah, like one of these Candle places, lit. you know, like... <laughs> little jazz. Yeah, yeah little jazz. And, and this is, you know, this is 15, 16 years ago, and piercings were kind of new. So we, somehow we're talking about piercings, and I was talking about nipple piercings. And I just, I, I don't know what happened, but I just... <laughs> and, and, and I'm talking, and I go into depth, and I'm getting into detail, and I'm going for a while, and she just stops me. She's like, dude... What are you doing? <laughs> I've just been milking myself for like. <laughs> right, do me a favor, real quick, for our viewers. Go full screen. Go full screen right here. We need. We need it. We gotta have it. Go full screen. Let's see a reenactment. I was. I was cross armed. Yeah, cross armed, and I was milking. Oh, milk him, baby. I was just milking him. <laughs> Look at that. And uh, wow. and she stopped me cold. She's like. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and I just went so red. I got caught. I was in the zone. I was just. Oh. And, um, did you did you have a laugh with her about it, or did I, you have did. to leave the I restaurant? I got a third date and got married. But, what's, that? but what's more important? <laughs> was, hold on. But what's more important is Heather was someone that Brian had been looking at for years. Uh, a good year. And here he is. He's on this year. date with her. Here he is. He's on this date with her, and he does that, dude. Like, <laughs> dude Brian was I mean? the stalker. No, he wasn't a stalker. But like, just imagine the immense. <laughs> I would say a lurker. Pressure. You know. Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> more of a lurker. Yeah. Hmm. 
All right, so All right, number Pete. four. Number me. four. Drum roll, please. Is that me? Peter goes. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the haircut. <laughs> was this last week? No, no, this wasn't. This was. Uh, this, I was. It was in the late '80s, '90s when the flat top was like the deal, right? Everybody, Before Randy Howell. Everybody was Sorry. getting it. Everybody on my wrestling team had them. You know, everybody. So I never mess with my hair at all. I always had kind of longer hair, and um, and it decided. My buddy talked me into, dude, it look cool, look great. I get in, the girl is like super hot. I'm still not. Where is this at, by the way? Do you like remember Williamstown? I, it's a in Williamstown. salon in yeah. Williamstown, New Jersey. Yeah, it's a place he went to, and we walk in there. And What's her name? I'll Google her. And he that and, she, and he's like egging her on to talk me into oh it'll look so good on you no you'll love it you'll love it so I'm a little freaked out by just getting a haircut the fact that she was hot just throws I'm totally off everything right so I'm sitting there watching these locks of blonde hair just roll mm. off my head man mm. and it's gone you know it's mm. down to nothing and. And I'm looking at myself for the first time like this, man. I'm like, and they're all like saying it looks good. And I'm like, I just, I'm freaked out. But I kind of think it looks good. I'm kind of into it. And I get up, I get up out of the chair and I forgot. And I got to go pay. And they got like in your supermarket, you know where they get those big pyramid like canned food displays <laughs> yeah. and stuff. What well, I got this display with shampoos and conditioners and <laughs> oh no. Now you're staring, you're staring you're staring at your hairstylist, right? You're enamored by her, right? Uh, well, I am. I'm enamored by like her, like she, like I said, I'm just off, man. And I my hair new haircut. I don't know what's going on, man. And, and I I go over to pay, <laughs> and dude, I knock over half of the display. Like, there's a hundred bottles just go piling off of this thing. And shampoo, right? And so now I think I've already paid at this point because they're laughing because they can see. I mean, they're they. It's like I just took drugs or something, man. <laughs> I can't even. And I knock over the stuff. They start laughing. So I go, um, and I'm like trying to pick up the stuff, and I proceeded to knock over the entire rest of the display. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and she said, oh she just pointed to the door. <laughs> the, uh, get out. Go. Now, what are your friends doing? Are they rolling? Oh, my God. <laughs> my friend, I mean, he's still laughing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, because you asked me for stories and i'm like i text my high school buddies like for stories that was like number one yeah you know i mean he's, he's still laughing about it to this day so it was a haircut wow good story all right and number five is that's me what do you got uh, back so this was back in the day when you could practice fish and mike had a tournament on the potomac so i was at practicing with him. And this was before all the fucked up rules. <laughs> this is back when you could fish a tournament on the Potomac. Right. Um, on the Maryland side. Um, and I had to pee so bad, but everywhere that Mike went, there was another boat. So there was no point where I could pull my pants down and hang my tush over the side. So I waited and waited. It was probably an hour. I had to go so bad. We finally get to this spot and I'm like, stop here. There's no boats. And I just quick without looking, there's no boats. I see no people i just pull my pants and i hang over the side and i probably hung over the side for a good 60 seconds i had to go so oh, dude, it, i remember because it, it was it was it was one of those long hard ones like you know what it reminded me of 
a horse pissing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Dude, a strong, it's the long kind that you stream. Just, you just hang. You hang for a few extra Dude, seconds because like you're so relieved. The no horses, leave me alone. My story. My story. So I, I finish, I pull my pants up and pick up my rod and we're fishing. And with that, like 10 yards away... These guys in camouflage stand up out of the water and start pulling in these decoy ducks. <laughs> so I literally hung my whole JJ and everything out at them, and I didn't even know it. Beck, you made their hunting trip. They're like, you know what? Bring the coolies. And of course, instantly, today. instantly, yeah. I'm like, Mike, your name is on the side of the boat. Go, go, go. go. Like, we dude, have to go. Dude, there are entire porn sites dedicated to what you did to those guys. <laughs> it was awful. That reminds, that reminds me of a, of a story. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Wait, did I take out the fish population? I might have taken out the uh, fish that population. very familiar. Oh, um, well, I want to hear it now. And this is number six, Mel. <laughs> that just brought back a lot of memories. <laughs> This was almost 20 years ago on the Delaware River. I believe it was like the Schuylkill River. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go so bad, and Dave assured me, no, we're only halfway done fishing. (laughs) We were already fishing for about five hours. (laughs) He's like, if you got to go, promise us it's the place to go. No one can see you. Just do it. Hang your butt over and pee. And I did. In front of an abandoned building, abandoned building, which I thought. Uh-huh. And when Ooh, I was done, I, I know stood up, I pulled my pants up. Oh, I finally felt so good. And I hear all this clapping. And no! <laughs> well, here, yeah! it was a prison. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Hold on. Now, you, wow. Now, before the clapping, you left out something. What did I leave out? So, she gets done going. <laughs> And all I hear is, show your titties. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the clapping. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Wow. And that's such a good spot on the Schuylkill. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that is, a prison? That's a, 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 a prison like a or a juvenile detention center. It's a juvenile Oh, yeah. God. I thought Under 18, that makes it worse. It's terrible. Psych ward. You could be arrested. That's That just <laughs> made it worse. I never knew. That. that was almost 20 years ago. I was a lot younger. Wow. Wow. How about that? Thank goodness it didn't happen in the day of social media. No, I know. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have had phones, but yeah. No, you know, the funny, the funny thing about that spot is I always thought it was a warm water discharge there. Cheap <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, shot. Oh, my God. It was a cheap shot. Uh, let me uh, let me thank everybody for joining us tonight for iGlide. Live. Man, what an amazing show. Dude, have. I, I, I say it every time, but I know. has there ever been a more dynamic show than tonight? Think about it. Think about the diversity of tonight, Pete. Think about it. Yep. We has had, there ever had, been? A lot of good stuff. Dude, Rick Clun, who has tournament fished since the 70s, right. to Edwin Evers, the right. modern classic the champion. The modern Rick Clun. The modern Rick Clun, the, the classic champion of 2016, all the way to... The hottest topic in the world right now, which is what's going on in Maryland with with bass fish regulations. Oh, wasn't the girls going pee? And the girls going pee <laughs> in public. I mean, it's been a very dynamic show. Dave, yeah. can you think of a more dynamic show we've ever had? Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. I, you know, it's good I think the mind. only right. thing missing from this show is a Dave Lefevre bust. Anybody? <laughs> I thought we moved on from that, dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. 
hold on a second. Um, I just had a message from our our producer back here that it seems like Edwin Evers wanted to co- wants to come back on or no 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 Rick no, no, Clung. no oh Dick Dick Clung Clang Dick Clang Dick Clang, <laughs> Dick Clang is joining us. You got it all wrong. Uh, I don't know who this is. Uh, joining us via Skype right now on the Ike Live Show oh, is Dick Clang. Hey, Dick, how you doing tonight? Hey, this is Dick Black Clung, not Dick Clang. I ain't Japanese, man. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dick Black Clung. No, I'm not at all. You know, I was trying to represent one of my heroes out there, Rick Clung, for winning the last tournament. I got all my Rick Clung gear off, man. Oh, okay. Man, I, I I like so. Well, let me let me start by asking you, what do you what are your impressions of of Rick winning last week? Were you excited? Were you were you ecstatic? Or what what, what was your emotions? I almost you know I almost I almost shed a tear when he when he you know he weighed in and he had his little chitlin there with him, man. You know his little boy. Wait, hold on a second. Was that his grandkid or was that like his boy? <laughs> that was his son. And his wife. Uh, hold, up. Uh, hold up, hold up. Let me regroup. That's his son, that little kid, like seven years old. That was his son? That was his son. Okay. Oh, well, that's all right. That's all right. He still got it. He still shake a little hip, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Older than man, better than you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, nah, man, I was good with it. I, I was I was really, really excited for him. You know, us old school cats, it takes a lot to win, and, you know, it's like all these young punks coming up now got all these electronics and these eye, <laughs> eye touches and eye, eye fill-em-ups and eye nuts and all this and that. I don't know nothing about it, but he had a dude. He, he kind of went away from the sight fishing. What it said now, I don't know, but that's what it said. He didn't go sight fishing. He, he caught him on a, a lucky lucky something. I don't know. It's like 50 different lucky Lucky, lucky, whatever he was, he was throwing, but you know he was catching them, whatever. I'm, I'm glad for him. There's a lot of luck going on. Now let me tell you, I, I know you're from Rick's era. Is there a, a, you know, if you imagine a song or or a musical inspiration that connects you with Rick, is there a song that comes oh. to mind? Yeah, there is one song that I got, and uh, I've been. Uh, I've been, you know, working on a little bit. I, 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 got, I, got, little, I got my guitar here, and it's about halfway tuned. It's a Sears and Roebuck, and I really like it a lot. But it's, uh, you know, it's like old rendition here. It, it's a little bit different. It's called, uh, We All Live in the Yellow Coupe de Ville. Yellow Coupe de Ville. Yellow Coupe de Ville. And my friends are all about. All the other ones in the trunk. That's all I got right now. But I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be all right. You know, I sent it to I sent it to Rick on a, a messenger right there, and he ain't said nothing back to me. But I'm like his biggest fan, you know. That, I got. That, uh, I'm waiting. Uh, what I got going on for the future? I got some Rick Clun fortune cookies. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, man, and it's got like it's got like sayings in it, like. Uh, never give up, you know. I know uh, he says that a lot, and uh, it's 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 another one about uh, trim your ponytail, <laughs> okay, something like that. 
<laughs> it's another one that says, uh, scrub your sandals, you know, because you get that cold funk in your sandals. You uh. know, you know, they, they, you know, the guys with the ponytails, they burn the incense, they wear sandals, you know. <laughs> and that's okay, man. I wear sandals, but I wear socks with them. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of what I got going on, man. What's up with y'all? What y'all doing? Y'all having fun tonight, yeah? We're having a great time. We're having a great yeah. time. And I noticed one thing, and I want to call it out, which is <laughs> I noticed you have a hat on tonight, which is yeah. fishity. Which is yeah. one of the Ike Live sponsors, so we yeah, appreciate man, that. you know, I'm trying to, it's a little bit dirty, because, you know, I'm, I'm a retired railroad cat, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I done dirtied it up doing yard work and little whatnots, trying to make ends meet and whatever, but, uh, yeah, man, I like efficiency, I use it. Now, do you have any, uh, people have a lucky hat, and they have stories behind it. Do you have any stories with that fishity hat? I do. I do. I don't know if I can say it on the air, but I do have a story on this. Oh, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, there was this one time, and I was in a car, and I had this girl with me. (laughs) She was a little bit, she was probably 20 years younger than me, something like that. And, uh, you know, we... (laughs) She got a little taste of dick black, and things went, you know, we got down, and we boogie-woogie, and whatever, and I had to use it. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. Don't put a black light on the fish that he had. Oh! <laughs> oh! Yeah. Don't do that. It's, yeah, it shows it. It shows it. Uh, I evidence. ain't never watched it. It's still good to go. I still, it's my lucky fishing hat, man. Yeah, I, I like the the more stains, the better. That's what I yeah, say. Yeah, next time hat. I'm, I'm going to get you to sign it, if that's okay. I mean. Oh, sure. I'd love to sign that hat. Yeah, man. On. Like, right on the bill. I'd right love to be a part of that DNA track. Yeah, like, right <laughs> on the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, right up here. Can you see me? You see where I'm pouring that? Absolutely. <laughs> like, right here. Oh, that's the money shot. That's the money. Yeah, yeah, that's the money white. Yeah, was, she, was she wearing your hat? Like, how would you get a money shot on your forehead? Don't ask uh, you know, they used to call me back in high school, Ricochet Rabbit. You remember what you know what Flubber is, don't you, Pete? Yeah, yeah I, heard that. Pete, I heard that. Pete's sweating. He hey, Pete out on that one. Sweating, Petey. Petey. I'm here, brother. All right. <laughs> All right, now now listen to me. Now uh, I appreciate you coming in this late in the show. Now before we let you go, since this has really been a Rick Klon tribute show, is what I'd yeah. call it. Do you have any last parting words or or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to Rick? Because I'm sure he's going to preview this show when it's all said and done. Well, I hope he does, and I really like I really like Rick Klon, and I got this. What I want to do is, if you got the camera on me, if you ain't cut me off yet, because I know it. You know, it's it gets a little okay. Well, I got, <laughs> and it's words of wisdom. All right, this is the black jig right here that I made, and I'm gonna try and send them to Rick Klon. Next time he goes out, he can throw this black jig if you can see it. It's, it's pretty called, dark. 
Yeah, well, that's it. it's black, so <laughs> it's black. I mean, it's going to be dark. It's called the dick black jig. Whoa! Yeah, it got a little head on it and a big old bush. That's the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's even got the weed guard on it, man. It's it's all right. But, that, you know, that's all I got, man. I'm, man, I'm so excited. I think I'm going to poop my pants twice. All right. Wow! <laughs> Well, oh, man, hey, yeah, man. I, I gotta tell you, thanks for joining us tonight. You yeah. were the perfect exclamation point on a great show. Yeah. We appreciate it. Well, okay. All right, Dick Black. Dick Black. <laughs> All right, Petey. Dick Black in the house blower. tonight. Wow, man, I, I tell you, he's become a regular on the show. Is he? That's show two. We had him on before. Dick Black called in. Don't you remember uh, Dick Black? No, I don't remember. Brian, Brian the Carpenter, correct me if I'm wrong. Dick Black is yeah. a, a regular caller now. Yeah, he called him. Regularly. 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 Dave, mm. Dick Black? Yeah, he's funny. Dick Black's funny. Dick Black clun. Mm. <laughs> okay, uh, Rebecca, do you want to clean up any IMs here? We're going to we're gonna kind of draw everything to a close. What do you got for us, babe? We're good. We're good. Okay. Uh, Dave, Brian, give me an outro song. Mike, outro song. Outro song? Outro song? Dude, you know what? In memory of... Yep. Fife? Yeah, Fife died. Died from Tribe, Tribe Call Quest. Yeah. Let's get some Tribe Call Quest. Absolutely. Great, great call. Uh, Tribe Call Quest, all you hip-hop fans. All right, you got to give me a song. Fife Dog uh, battled uh, diabetes his whole life. He was a sugar fiend. Died at 45. Died at 45. Uh-huh. Very young. Uh, let's go. Uh, Kick the Rhyme? Yeah. Kick what? the Rhyme's a good one. Kick yeah. the Rhyme. Let's 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 do a little tribe call quest. Uh, why Brian's finding that? Let me uh, a shout out to everybody that uh, watched tonight. Shout out to Rick Kahn. Shout out to Edwin Evers. Uh, shout out to Marilyn DNR. Joe uh, Love. Joe Love. And shout out to BASS Gene Gillahan for joining us tonight. Shout out to Dick Black for joining us tonight and showing us his black jig. Um, the next Ike Live show, a couple weeks. In April, another remote show. You're going to see Pete Glusick in this hot chair once again. Ah. Remind everybody, uh, BU TV subscribers, BU TV Live this Thursday. This Thursday, March 31st. If you're not subscribed, get subscribed. Check it out. Check it out. And, uh, oh, you know what else? Very important for BU TV subscribers. It is Liquid Mayhem Month. And it is oh. missile bait month. Oh, so Ooh. if you if subscribe subscribe now, you get a thirty percent off liquid mayhem, twenty five percent discount off missile baits. Those discounts alone are well worth checking it out, trying the product. The discounts but, are insane. Yeah, and we got close. more coming. TH Marines coming next month. You, Check it out. Subscribe to Bash University TV. You can't afford to not subscribe. You gotta subscribe. <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for tuning in tonight. Amazing Ike Live. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Mel for helping out on the IMs tonight. <laughs> Becky, Brian DeCarpenter, uh, Dave Bronze, a.k.a. Fatty, a.k.a. War, Pete Klusik. We'll see you tonight. Ike Live! Good night! Good night, everybody! Uh. Uh.